Getting the smile and confidence you've been dreaming about all from the comfort of your home isn't a total mystery with Bite Clear Aligners. Just don't be surprised if all your friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Bite Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. the Flyers Talk podcast. Today is the Monday, April 18th edition. As always, Katie Emmer, Jordan Hall joining you. Um, some topics to get through today, Jordan, on this beautiful Monday we were blessed with. Um, a lot of different talks going on with the NHLPA, NHL, the return to play committee as well over the weekend. Definitely seeing some gears, not moving, Jordan, but slowly moving towards this maybe 24 playoff format. We'll get into that. We also uh, have the one and only Simone Gagne that had a wonderful conference call earlier today. Some very interesting nuggets about Elaine Vigneault that we'll touch on um, and top Flyers prospect Jordan for next season. And of course, just other things to carry on with later on. It's going to be a fun episode. First and foremost, it's Monday, Jordan. It it takes me a while to get up and at them, but you know, when we get to talk hockey right away, it, it definitely, it, it makes it feel like maybe we're, we're back in season or at least in this case, Jordan, I think we're getting closer. Yeah, Katie, I think we're, we were both excited when we saw, you know, that uh, apparently there's progress being made with the 2014 playoff and uh, they're starting to really generate um, what they want to do with that and finding a location and how they want to do it. So still a lot of things I think to be settled and uh, ironed out, but Katie, I think we're definitely excited to see some progress being made. Yeah, no, and overall, I mean, this is something too, the 24 uh, team format we brought up to Brian Boucher last week when he was on the podcast. Like, this is nothing new for the listeners out there. I'm sure you guys have seen this either circulating on social media, you've seen it around. But Jordan, I think the biggest thing is that the NHL never backed it up. It was rumors. And Joe Ford, I said that too in the last episode. It was never really a backed up thing, but it was that big rumor that was definitely pretty attractive that we were kind of thinking, hey, this might be a good option. And now seeing reports that, again, I'll reiterate the the NHLPA and the return to play committee essentially was meeting all throughout the weekend. Um, And of course, they have been meeting daily, which is a great sign. But meeting all throughout the weekend, and you got to think in the coming weeks, it's going to be June before we know it, Jordan. There's going to be some sort of maybe news that we can expect to come out, but I feel like I can't do that to myself. I keep like holding on to that hope. I don't know about you or like, oh, so excited, but it is kind of that reality where it may or it may become a reality, um, especially by seeing the report from the NHL saying, you know, this is a possible option. Again, nothing's clear, nothing's certain, but it's a possible option. So laying that out, um, this is sort of, at least Jordan, you can, you know, jump into, I was saying it'd be the eight teams would get a buy. And then you have your next 16 teams playing a best of three play in. Um, so of course in that we could expect the flyers would get a buy. Um, this would be the biggest question mark too, from that is uh, this other option, especially on this Monday, we're seeing, you know, there might be eight to nine sites that, you know, things may happen in. They're going to have to decide where these would happen. 
Um, but I think kind of the biggest thing is we heard about those four hub cities, Jordan, and, and now there's, again, rumors and rumors, but now there's reports it might be just two cities. So what, is it, what would that mean? Yeah, maybe that, that just allows it to be as controlled as possible and they can just split it down to, you know, 24, obviously divided by two, 12 and 12. And, um, and maybe, yeah, it just kind of puts everything a little tighter and it's not all over the place. Um, so I think it would be just for convenience, it would be a lot easier. Uh, you would at least know that you're not having players in numerous cities, just only maybe two. Uh, so that's a good thing. And it seems like yep. they've, you know, finally eventually shifted their focus from trying to finish their regular season to, you know, maybe only having three, four, five games of regular season hockey left and then, you know, jumping into this 2014 playoff. So I think that's, that's very cool to see that they're starting to focus on that 2014 playoff and they, they realize that's the best way possible. And I, Katie, I think it brings a lot of excitement. I think 24 teams – like you were saying, I don't know how they're going to do it, whether it be the buys and then the play-in rounds, um, or if they'll just do it, you know, one versus 12, two versus 11. I I'm not exactly yeah. sure how they're going to handle that. It, it sounds like the play-in round would make sense, and then obviously the four teams get buys. But I think there's a ton of excitement to the 2014 playoff. It includes more teams. It includes more markets, um, more fan bases. Uh, so there's just more interest. and. Um, I think it's a great time to experiment. And I think it was the right move. I just don't think you were going to wrap up the regular season. There was going to be too many uh, meaningless games that were you were going to try to force the yeah. into the schedule. So I, I'm just happy to see that's in the rear view. I mean, that we both yeah. talked about it. Like, I didn't see any value in that. I don't think that, of course, like, I think it's important to get their skates under them, get some maybe playing time. Yeah. I don't know what you do. You could do something with your training camp, maybe figure out ways to get back in a game action. So that's the only reason why I thought that may be something that's, you know, a, a good thing that would happen is to finish out some of those regular season games. Jordan. But some teams, right, with like the 13, 14, like I don't see that as a priority right now. And clearly as we get closer and closer to the month of June and closer or farther into the summer – that's not going to really be a doable thing. Going back to, you know, maybe what this format would be, I'd have to agree with you just seeing um, the way that reports have come out, the teams that were doing well, they would credit those regular season points and in, in um, point total and point percentages, sorry, is what I was trying to get at. Um, they're going to use that as sort of a ranking in this 2014 uh, format. So that'll be, of course, a great thing for the orange and black. Uh, going back to, to the eight to nine cities, um, we don't know. Like, what does this mean for the Flyers? We don't really know where they're going to be. Um, that's a certain uh, big question mark. I've seen Las Vegas, Jordan. We've seen that kind of the last couple months, especially even with the NBA. Um, but uh, Las Vegas is definitely a, a big spot. But you couldn't imagine the, the Flyers would be going to Las Vegas. So you kind of wonder what, you know, it would be on the east uh, side of things. I would see maybe Raleigh, North Carolina. That was definitely one of those four cities that was tossed around. Who knows? But on top of that, like, you talk about all the good things, right? Like, I'm just as equally excited. Um, hey, if we have hockey back, Jordan, I'm not mad. You're not mad. We, we get to get back to covering actual game action. Wow, actual game action. That, that kind of worked, I guess. But we get to get back to that, and that's exciting. Um, I've seen a lot of mixed emotions about this, Jordan. Like, away from that, you have some fan bases that are like, they don't want a Stanley Cup win. Like, wouldn't you want to see your team win, right? But like, some emotions I've seen is like, we don't want an asterisk next to our Stanley Cup win for the next 50 years. 
And I thought that was, I'm like, it'll just be interesting how they can really just like uh, mirror what a, a regular Stanley Cup playoff would look like and make it as equal as possible in these circumstances. You know, like it, it was interesting to see that. You, you would be happy to see your team win a Stanley Cup, Jordan, but it, it, for some fans, it is a different scenario. I guess you don't, you want it the real thing or nothing. No, I, I understand that too, Katie. And then I saw a good counterpoint um, that I wanted to mention about that. For, for, for On the one side of the coin, I understand. Maybe fans think that there's always going to be an excuse uh, for that Stanley Cup if they win it in this type of fashion, that it was compromised and it wasn't, uh, it wasn't done the real, the real way. Uh, but then I saw a really interesting counterpoint by Elliot Freeman uh, of Sportsnet in his 31 Thoughts column he had a point that uh, he just didn't get why people are thinking this would be, would require an asterisk. And he said, he thinks if anything, it should be even more appreciated that you would do it in this type of um, setting in these type of times where, you know, you're dealing with some scary things and these players would have to seriously adjust. Uh, they would, you know, and in many ways they're going out and um, risking uh, getting sick and they're going away from their families uh, they're yeah. jumping back into the action after all this crazy time off. These are unprecedented times. And it, to me, and what Elliot Freeman was saying was that if, if you won the Stanley Cup in this type of fashion, that would be maybe even more impressive. And I, I thought that was kind of unique and cool. Um, I didn't think of it like that. But uh, I sure hope fans and players and organizations, I hope they don't take anything away from uh, a team that wins it in this type of year. Everyone's dealing with the same playing field. Everyone's dealing with the same circumstances. If anything, uh, yeah, this is kind of – it can kind of be scary for players. You know, they're, yeah. they're going to be jumping right back into it uh, and, you know, in times that aren't certain. So uh, I commend who, whichever team, if, if we do resume play, I, I commend that team that wins. Um, I commend the people that are going to be on the front lines of trying to get this thing back going again. Uh, good for those people because uh, obviously everyone's been quarantining and staying home and trying to be safe, but eventually they're going to be stepping out there and being around more people. And uh, I, I think they should be commended for that in my opinion. I like that. What a great mindset. It, it, it is true. Like this is such a harder yeah. scenario to have to get through. Like, especially when we're thinking I was going to get into the next topic that the commissioner addressed um, in this release. It was just talking about, um, the NHL would need to resolve border and quarantine issues to reconvene the player, the, the players even that are overseas back at home. You have players that are outside North America. They're spread all around the I mean, you have players, of course, in, in places that aren't going to be very easy to get them back considering the glo global circumstances. Um, on top of that, you have to think, too, about we've talked about these different arenas. Now you're going to have to take into effect these quarantine like I said in that sentence, like the quarantine issues, they're going to be completely quarantined. They're not going to be able to go back to their families, maybe. I mean, and there's just going to be very difficult things as I think as human beings and also as hockey players that they're really going to have to battle through. So I love that point, Jordan. I think that's completely just a, a true statement right there. I mean, I, hey, and you know what? A championship's a championship. I think you'd want it no matter what. Um, and I think, yeah, some of the fans out there that may think that, I think – you would want that sort of mark in history maybe as you were the significant team that season. Um, and Hey, hopefully it's the flyers. Let's get into like maybe what exactly this means for the flyers. Cause we saw the AHL season canceled and we talked about that too, but the, the biggest thing is now these black aces are going to be thrown into the lineup. Um, we're going to see guys like 
Morgan Frost, Connor Bunneman, Mark Friedman, um, Garman Rubsov, like all, all of, you know, some of these top guys that could essentially just add more and more depth. And I said essentially, but they would. I mean, you would have even extra hands on deck um, and the helps and, you know, that kind of stuff eventually does happen in the Stanley Cup playoffs, deep in the Stanley Cup playoffs. But now you get to just start with that um, sort of 30-man roster. And I think it would be really beneficial for the Flyers considering the weapons they already have. Um, and, and, of course, everything's going to be difficult. That's why I think the Flyers are going to be even with other teams. You know, no one has skated. Maybe Ivan Provorov, one out of who knows how many. Exactly. But everyone has skated um, or hasn't skated, and, and it's just going to be sort of, I think, equal in that matter. It, of course, you have to take out the players that I just mentioned, like Ivan Provorov and other ones that may have their own ice sheet. Jordan, wouldn't that be nice? Um, we're definitely happy to see him, though, staying in shape. But yeah. with all things equal, I think the Flyers are still going to be uh, with the advantage, considering, too, they're going to get some of these guys from the AHL. Yeah, that's a real positive. You think they they had a lot of uh, young players gain some experience this year. At first, we were thinking this is not a great thing. You know, they had this merry-go-round basically of prospects coming up and going down, and uh, no one was really kind of uh, cementing their spot. And at first, you're thinking, well, maybe this isn't super beneficial for the Flyers or the players, but maybe it can come back into play now where they're going to have a lot of younger players who got a taste of the NHL this year. Um, and I bet the Flyers are telling those names you just mentioned, Katie, they're telling these guys, hey, now that the AHL season's canceled, uh, be ready. Be ready because, like, we will need you. We will want you around. Uh, be ready because you might have to play. So I bet they're advising all these prospects uh, to stay in shape. Here's how you can, you know, be ready and, uh, and do things to keep yourself ready because, uh, yeah, they're going to they're gonna possibly need them. And, Katie, prospects are a fun thing to talk about right now for that reason um, you're hearing names like Morgan Frost, uh, Jeremy Rubdesov, uh, Connor Bum, and all those guys. So we wanted to have a little fun here, picking one prospect that we're most excited for next season because we know uh, right now with all the leagues uh, and the college seasons and everything shut down, the NHL are the only ones really still looking forward to this season. So let's look a little ahead to next season. Katie, if you had to pick one prospect that you're – uh, looking forward to or most excited about for next season and why, who would it be? Well, uh, I mentioned his name right there. He might be getting his, ch I say might, but I would assume he's going to get his chance um, specifically if we see this season come back. He had his chance at times this year with the Flyers. Connor Bunneman. Um, this is a player that we, we saw battling for a spot, helping out centering that fourth line at times, just adding the depth when the Flyers needed it especially when I know fans are going to like this. I mean, cause that would mean, you know, I could see Nolan Patrick not playing. So of course, if Nolan Patrick is playing, I, I don't know as much of how Bunneman would make an impact next season, but without Nolan Patrick, um, Connor Bunneman is the player I have my eye on. Um, we've seen what he could do this year again, when, like I uh, just mentioned, when he was called up six foot three size, um, he's just got that good long reach. He's a good skater. But he just made such an impact when he needed to. Um, of course, the points didn't come as much as maybe you'd hope, but he wasn't up here as much, Jordan. He just had those brief stints here and there when there was an injury or someone else needed help. Um, but we saw him do sort of what he needed to do. And I think Elaine Vino saw hints of that when we asked him about it in, at Skate Zone or other things. Connor Bunneman is a player that I think could have a, a season maybe like we saw from Nicholas Obey-Cubell. Like he could come out and – really prove what he's worth next season. But again, a lot of things would have to happen for that sort of door to open. And it would mean Nolan Patrick, it would mean maybe they didn't add that depth in the off season in other ways. 
but we talked to you about how important the bottom six are for the Flyers next season. And I could see Connor Bunman really helping out, especially centering, uh, that, you know, that depth for the Flyers. So that's where I would see him making an impact. He would be one of the biggest prospects. I say one because there are several, but he's who is uh, top of my list today. Who do you got? I like that one, Katie, and we forget the only reason he was sent down uh, before the NHL stoppage was because the Flyers acquired Derek Grant and Nate Thompson, two right. veteran centers that they really needed uh, the the veteran and and the veterans and make those guys to come in and kind of make make their stamp on the team. So Bunnerman was on another note, Jordan, I'm just going to jump in because you reminded me at that skate zone. Like, of course, we see his abilities on the ice, but. We were there to see him sort of get that news when he gets off the ice who the Flyers acquired at the deadline. And just like, like, of course, any player, you would expect him to stay calm and cool. Like, you don't, but the way he sort of addressed the media, he just still has such an eye on the prize. And again, I know, I just think that's so important to it from a player standpoint, someone you want around your team, someone you want in the dressing room. And of course, he's young, but it, it really just showed like, you know what, I'm just here to do my job. If I have to go back, it is what it is. And, you know, I'll be back soon. And, yeah, just on that. You reminded me just from a personal standpoint how valued he is as well. Your NBC Sports Philadelphia podcasts are now on the My Teams app. Listen to Eagle Eye, Sixers Talk, Phillies Talk, and Flyers Talk now. Katie, I, I remember we both talked to Connor Bunneman uh, the day that he was sent down and the day they acquired uh, Nate Thompson and Derek Grant. And yeah, he was great. He took it, He really took it in stride and you could definitely tell it was a it was definitely um, a source of motivation for him. He's a, he's a kid that's worked really hard to get to where he is now. He wasn't the most touted Flyers prospect, but uh, he worked hard to kind of change his game and get into the shape that he should be in uh, to be a fourth-line, third-line guy. Uh, so I think it was, if anything, it was just more motivation for him. So, yeah, he's a, a guy that should be really exciting to follow next season. Uh, for me, I'm going to go Cam York, the Flyers' first-round pick last summer. Uh, and the reason for that is – I think he's poised to have a really big sophomore season at Michigan. And I think what that would do is that will really dictate his professional timeline. If he has a really big season at Michigan as a sophomore, which it looks like he will, uh, will have that type of big season. Uh, he could turn pro after his sophomore year. And all of a sudden, he's a lot closer to the Flyers. He's looking at the Phantoms. And uh, a lot of people believe he could be a quick riser. Um, and, and that, I think, would totally change the landscape uh, for the Flyers at defense because uh, they're already pretty crowded at that position. But uh, Cam York's timeline, if, 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 if it's expedited and he has a big sophomore season and he's looking more and more like a pro, all of a sudden that changes things for the Flyers on defense and maybe it makes them think a little uh, longer and harder about some bigger decisions, whether it be trades or – who they want to sign, who they want to maybe not sign. Uh, so I think Cam York has a chance to really dictate the Flyers' decision-making if he has a big season in Ann Arbor. So for Flyers fans and for myself, I think uh, keeping an eye on the Michigan Wolverines will be really fun, especially because of Cam York. Yeah, and with that, I mean, you have me reminded with this draft. I mean, we just talked about the, NA, uh, the NF. The 24-team playoff format, um, kind of a tongue twister. Um, yeah. But, you know, with that, it's also the draft in discussion. And I really do feel like, Jordan, by the end of this week, we're going to have a notice on the draft. Just away from these prospects, it, it just hints that, you know, 
that idea for me, that topic that also is very popular um, on social media right now. When is the draft going to happen? How is it going to happen? And I think we'll have more notice on that later in the week. So stay tuned for that as well. I'm definitely constantly checking up and seeing what the latest is. That's for sure. Yeah, Katie, that's a great point because um, they're going to need to make NHL teams aware of, hey, we will be drafting in June as originally scheduled or no, we're going to wait for this 2014 playoff to play out. So um, I 100% agree. I think we're going to find out soon when the NHL draft will be, which is exciting because we're going to, that's always a time where you see more prospects coming into the organization. Uh, You have an idea of what uh, each, you know, each team needs, especially the Flyers. It's always fun to see more prospects come into the fold and, and kind of, Touching on that topic in terms of prospects, Katie, we had a, we saw a fun story uh, come out the other day about a a near trade that the Flyers almost pulled off with the Blackhawks, and the reason it ties into prospects is the Flyers nearly landed Duncan Keith when he was a prospect in the AHL, according to a story in the Athletic by Mark Lazarus. Uh, the, the Blackhawks almost traded with the Flyers. It, it, Apparently, according to the story, the deal would have been Jeremy Roenick, who was 34 at the time, and Tony Amante, 34 at the time, both were with the Flyers, and they were going to be in a package deal that would have brought the Flyers Duncan Keith, who was only a young prospect at the time, playing in the AHL. He had not played in the NHL. Turns out Duncan Keith goes on to have a pretty amazing career. He's won three Stanley Cups with the Blackhawks, a two-time Norris winner, a one-time Conn Smythe winner. Uh, man, how things would have changed, Katie, for the Flyers if Duncan Keith was acquired. Doesn't that make you just scratch your head, Katie? I know. I mean, even seeing the story come out, I know for you too, writing around it on NBCSportsPhiladelphia.com. Fans, check that out. Jordan has a great article on this, just getting more insight. But uh, initially seeing this, it was bizarre. Like, I never knew that. But I think the fun of this, Jordan, is like, you can always think, what if? Um, And you can also think like, like of course the positives from it and I'll start with that maybe the fact that I was telling you this before we started recording fans I'm sorry I actually don't keep up with the Blackhawks maybe as much as you know you'd want me to I hope you don't want me to keep up that much but I didn't realize Duncan Keith since he came into the league in 2005-2006 Jordan is right under Brent Burns as far as point production per game like he's the second best defenseman in point production and of course I will always say this like that isn't valued as much as a defenseman you want to have a great plus minus you want to be able to you know, be a strong leader, block some shots, like anything else. But of course the points matter. I would say if not the most, like they're definitely up there. Seeing him as uh, the second best since he came in the league is pretty. And what you said is accolades, is awards. He was that James, uh, James Norris winner this season that of course Flyers fans don't want to remember uh, the 2010. Well, maybe you do. There's some great moments in the 2010 Stanley Cup run, but of course Duncan Keith was a part of the squad that took care of it for the Blackhawks over the Flyers He was a huge force in that. And, like, you have to think, too, when you're talking about his Stanley Cup wins, how much things would have changed for the Blackhawks. Like, for the Flyers' standpoint, of course, the the negative, I started with the positive, and negative would be you're not seeing Jeremy Roenick. Uh, You're not seeing some of the other, you know, things that you would have seen from him and and what he was able to add to the franchise. But, of course, he'd be getting Duncan Keith. And I was even, like, looking into this. Kimo Timonen, like, having those two together would be absolutely electric. They may maybe not be together, but in the same uh, defensive core, like you never know, like what if it could have been very cool to see. Um, And I think part of it too, is it really matters where you are. So who knows, Jordan, maybe if Duncan Keith was there, of course, we've seen how talented he is, how great of a skater he is. 
um, maybe he wouldn't have been as successful with the Flyers. Like you can never know if things worked out for him in that favor, maybe playing around Patrick Kane, of course, and Jonathan Taves is very helpful. Um, but oh my gosh, talk about, I, I, I never knew this. I don't know if you had any hint of it. I never knew Katie either. And when I, when I saw the story pop up, I was like, wow. I, Cause for all those reasons, uh, you just start thinking, what if, uh, do the Blackhawks ever really go on the, that three championship run where they really became a dynasty and were the biggest uh, roadblock to the Flyers of winning a cup again? You know, who knows if the Flyers have Duncan Keith, do they win a cup? Do they win multiple cups? Uh, are the Blackhawks ever in their way in 2009-10? Probably not. Um, but you're right. Who knows how things would have shaken out? Uh, but it is fun to think what if. Um, you know what they say, Jordan? You know what they say? What's that? Life, get this, ready? Life is made up of choices. Yes. Yep. Yes. And like this goes hand in hand with the NHL. Like this is a choice um, with the NHL. I more so mean the, the Blackhawks and the Flyers. This is a thing, like choices that all happen for a reason. And we've talked yeah. so much about that even with like players on the current Flyers roster. Like what if they weren't taken? What if they were traded? Yeah. It's fun. It's definitely, yeah. there's always that what if factor, but Hey, I'm sad. Like, of course, Flyers fans are upset. Like I want to see more Stanley cups in the past and, you know, current going forward, but I'm sad. I, I think that the Flyers were the Flyers for a good reason, but Hey, I like can't that. be mad. If Duncan Keith was jumping in. You know, and the know. only thing that apparently stopped that from really going through was that, uh, was the lockout in 2004, five, it uh, obviously froze the entire trade window. You couldn't make news like that. And that, during that season, according to the story, uh, Duncan Keith was still able to play in the AHL, and he had a really good AHL season. And then it made the Blackhawks kind of reconsider. And they were like, yeah, you know what? We don't want to trade this guy. But uh, it's just crazy to think that without that lockout, say that the season is going through as normal, Maybe the Blackhawks pull the trigger and Bob Clark, who was the GM at the time for the Flyers, maybe he gets that big trade yeah. for a young and up-and-coming blue liner that would have changed the Flyers' entire decade. Yeah. Uh, crazy to think. Um, and, and it's fun uh, because it kind of has us reminiscing even more, Katie, about that 2009-10 team that lost to Duncan Keith and the Blackhawks. Uh, we've had fun reliving some of those memories because right now, uh, has been the 10th anniversary of that season. A player that was on that team, of course, was Simone Gagne and how important he was to that team. Uh, he, he was a grown man at that time and one of the Flyers' huge goal scorers. Uh, we believe he's probably going to be a future Flyers Hall of Famer. He uh, just today, on Monday, spoke uh, on a conference call with a handful of reporters. And little did we know, he was coached by Elaine Vigneault in junior hockey as a 16-year-old. That was before Elaine Vigneault had ever become a head coach in the NHL. Uh, but he was a tough guy. And Simone Gagne was a lot different as a 16-year-old. Minor hockey, even midget football. We didn't really pay attention too much about uh, eating right, uh, you know, train right, or go at the gym and put some muscle and get stronger. We didn't really pay attention to that. But Alain, like I said, was coming back from the pro, and he brought that culture back in, in our junior team that, hey, guys, yeah, we practice, but after practice, you're going to go in the gym and lift some weight for 30 minutes or ride the bike for 30 minutes. And 
some guys now was was uh, like I said, serious about it. And I was 16 years old. I was not too serious about it. I I, I didn't like to look in weight because I was 16 years old. I was uh, well, my weight was like I think one one fifty at that time. So every time I was lifting something, I I felt that something was gonna break in inside of my body. So I, I, it was hard for me to go at the gym. It, the only time I was going, it's, it's when LA was coming in in, uh, in the gym with us. Flyers Talk is brought to you by Wells Fargo. When our communities need us, Wells Fargo is here to help. Really, really fun stuff there from Simone Guy. Some great perspective into Elaine Vigneault. We know him as the coach of the, of the Flyers and what he's done with the Rangers and the Canucks and the Canadians, but we didn't really know him as a younger guy who was just coaching at the junior hockey level and it seems like he was really hard on Simone Gagne as a 16-year-old about, hey, if you want to get to the NHL, you got to do the, thing, the right things off the ice. And uh, that didn't really hit with a young Simone Gagne. He was a kid that just liked to play hockey, a skinny kid. He mentioned that he was probably 150 pounds. And when he would lift the weight, he felt like something was going to break inside his body. Ah. Just really fun stuff. Ah. That sounds like me in a way. I mean, I'll, I'll say yeah. I'm not obviously an NHL-level player or used to be, but – I just love it, Jordan. Like, I love the whole, like, idea of maybe going in the gym quick and hitting a bike. Just be like, hey, coach. Just just lifting a weight and just making sure, like, he sees that for the day and you're, like, all set. At at 16, can you imagine how stressful that would be? I'd just be, like, always thinking, okay, how can I I impress coach, like, if he wants me to be lifting weights? And what a way, too, for Elaine Vino at that time to instill that on a 16-year-old. Like, he wanted it so bad that he was willing to, he didn't want to lift weights. Like he was just willing to do it to get better and maybe to get more recognition from the coach. What a great story. Yeah, and Elaine Vigneault at that point uh, was, a, was an assistant coach for the Senators and then he came back to, to head coach junior hockey. And so Elaine Vigneault clearly got a taste of the NHL and what it really takes at that level to, to be a pro. And maybe AV was just kind of in a no BS type of mood. He's like, I'm dealing with these 16 to 19 year olds <laughs> who – Simone Gagne even admitted these young kids who would go out. You go from the NHL to 16-year-old kids that, you know, I'm assuming they didn't have Snapchat back in that time and, you know, different things going on. Maybe they had, like, Game Boy Colors they were into. Um, Yeah, kids kids that maybe thought they were all of that but really weren't um, and just didn't know the importance of all-of-ice training and incorporating video and all that stuff. And it sounded like Vigneault was just really hard on these guys. But what I found really cool, Katie, and I think we've seen it with the Flyers, is Simone Gagne clearly evolved as a player because of Elaine Vigneault's influence, uh, that tough love of, hey, here's what you need to do to get to the NHL. And Gagne really took that to heart eventually. And it sounds like Elaine Vigneault also evolved a little bit from that experience as well. Simone Gagne said that he thinks Elaine Vigneault has changed a lot as a coach. He's more player-friendly, uh, understands the balance of um, – kind of being uh, enforcing as a coach, but also being supportive. And right. I think we saw that with the Flyers. He was really – he really looked like a player's coach. He wasn't this guy that's, you know, always yelling at you. He, he, players really enjoyed him so far in year one. I think – don't you agree, Katie, that we, oh, yeah. we definitely saw a different coach from the Elaine Vigneault junior hockey guy? And we've just seen what he's been able to do in one season. You can't be mad um, here with the Flyers. But, of course, what a, a great story from Simone on the conference call – I would have never known that um, for him at age 16, but I talked about AV, even with Simone and his career, um, 
AV, I think, was affected by that one that chance to coach those those young players. I think again, we all start somewhere. It helped him for Simone. It helped him as well. Look where he is um, now, looking back and all these great memories and his great career. Who knows? Like if that didn't happen, if Elaine Vino didn't um, really put that on them the, to be lifting weights at age 16 and to really um, be hard on them, I think you know everything happens for a reason. We, we maybe wouldn't have seen the same um, someone we saw uh, here in Philadelphia. So with that, what a great story. Again, it's it's overall it's so fun in a time like this, like focusing on the positives. With everything going on, just staying focused on the positives, we get to catch up on some of these great things. And I learned that too. Um, I don't know about you, how many different things you learned from that call. Um, it certainly is a fun time to just share stories about things that we maybe would have never known about. It really is. And it's just a cool glimpse into a player at 16 years old who is now, we're seeing a, a big reason why he's gone on to win a Stanley Cup and accomplished some incredible things as a player. And we get a, we got a glimpse into Elaine Vigneault before he ever became an NHL head coach and how he probably evolved, how he got a taste of the NHL and then started incorporating more video uh, and more structure and then how he kind of grew into more of a player-friendly coach who knew how to strike that right balance between uh, toughness and kind of lightheartedness. So, yeah, yeah just a really cool glimpse into all of that. And, Katie, we're going to continue to tap into some former Flyers here the most recent former flyer we're going to tap into is Mark Recchi, who apparently just the other day, in light of the Last Dance series uh, on ESPN highlighting Michael Jordan and the Bulls and their final uh, sixth championship with that, with that team, he compared Sidney Crosby to Michael Jordan, said Sidney Crosby is basically the Michael Jordan of the NHL. Uh, and he kind of went into why, um, but – let me get your take on that. I don't think you're too happy with that comparison, are you, Katie? You see this face? I am not, like, no. and I don't know, like, you have to respect Sidney Crosby. Of course, we all know, very talented player. Flyers fans, you keep an eye on him to make sure you boo him at the uh, Wells Fargo <laughs> Center. Um, of course, a major rival, um, but you can't ignore his talent with that. I have heard growing up so many different comparisons. Like, I don't know about you, Jordan, but you hear the LeBron James, like, oh, he's so much better than Kobe Bryant. Like, that would maybe be, and of course, rest in peace, but that would be, like, the most realistic sort of thing because they're both in that same era. When I hear LeBron James compared to Michael Jordan, I just feel like you can't really do that because it's such a different game now than it was then. And, of course, it's still the game of basketball. There's a, a, the same game, but I just feel like the same talent is different. Like, I just don't see it fair to be comparing those two. It's just like a completely different era in a way. And I, so from that, you could see that I don't really – like, that's the same sport, comparing LeBron James to Michael Jordan. I could not see comparing Sidney Crosby to Michael Jordan. You have completely different sports – I don't like, I, I just don't know where this comes from. Of course, you have a player that wants to win. Like, Sidney Crosby's a great competitor. Um, but did he play baseball? No. I don't think so. I don't think so. So, that's all I got to say. You have to play baseball if you want to be Michael. No, I'm kidding. But yeah, <laughs> um, the crazy things Michael Jordan was able to do, and what a great series. I'm sad that documentary's over. But um, I just don't think you could ever compare him to really anybody. <laughs> for that. I I think that's fair. And I, I, I will definitely think Flyers fans are not going to be too pleased with that comparison because I'm sure a lot of Flyers fans probably uh, think fondly of Michael Jordan. They clearly do not think fondly of Sidney Crosby and don't want them even in the same breath. Um, 
I got you, Flyers fans. Yes. He's got your back. I don't have your back because I, I, liked, I liked the comparison. I understood what Mark Recchi was saying. I think with Michael Jordan through that series, we saw that there was a mystique to him among teammates. And when teammates saw Michael Jordan, Michael Jordan didn't motivate them by saying, yo, you got to do this, you got to do that. Just how incredibly competitive he was and motivated he was teammates looked up to him and they, when they saw Michael Jordan work the way he worked, they were like, well, I got to do what MJ is doing. Uh, if I want to compete with MJ and help us win championships. And he just made everyone incredibly uh, in, a, in a, an incredible way. He made everyone want to work harder and want to work like Michael Jordan, uh, a guy that apparently had this unrivaled work ethic. And I think that's what Mark Recchi was saying with Sidney Crosby was that, Crosby's not this loud guy that's, you know, very similar to Claude Drew. He's not a guy that's going to walk into the locker room and uh, demand everyone's attention with the way he talks, but he's going to work his butt off and he's going to do it in the gym. He's going to do it on the ice. He's going to do it before practice and after practice. And that rubs off on players. And it's, it's created a sort of mystique with Sidney Crosby when his teammates, his young teammates see Sidney Crosby, this three-time Stanley Cup champion, this guy that's one MVPs that's done it since he was a kid in the NHL. When they see him work, they want to work. They want to match his effort. And it creates almost a championship um, expectation every single season. So I, like, I did like the comparison, I must say. I liked it. I'm not saying Sidney Crosby is even uh, the greatest player of all time. We obviously know that. I think a lot of people will probably take Wayne Gretzky over him. Yeah, and I was going to say, like, my logic, like, with the LeBron James compared to Michael Jordan, I feel like you're doing that Sidney Crosby to Wayne Gretzky type of thing. Like, wouldn't you say Wayne Gretzky, how many hat tricks he was able to have? I mean, a lot of that are just numbers you could never reach because the league just isn't the same anymore as it was then, you know? But I love love that, Jordan. And I don't use the word love as often on the Flyers Talk podcast, but I do love that. I think – Um, just like, you know, just the grand scheme of things, like even when we think about Steve Kerr and what he was saying, what a story from him. Oh my goodness. The things I learned about that coach um, and just person in general and player with that team and what he was saying, just always wanting to be there for Mike, like always wanting to have that shot or, or to do whatever to step up and prove to him he was worthy of it. Um, I think I could see how that would, you know, translate over to Sidney Crosby in other ways, especially when you look at, um, when Sidney Crosby got into the league and how, how he's had to learn in the spotlight, you know, as a human and also as a player. So I could, I could see that. I could definitely see that. Um, and Cause Steve Kerr said like, I, he wanted to earn Michael Jordan's respect. And the way yeah. to do that was by how hard he worked. He thought if Michael saw him working and wanting the moment right. uh, that he would earn that respect. And I think Sidney Crosby has a similar way. And it's really cool to see Mark Recchi's perspective. Mark Recchi played a long, long time. He's a Hall of Famer. And now as an assistant coach with the Penguins, he's gotten the opportunity to see Sidney Crosby work up close. And clearly he has uh, struck Recchi as a guy that um, takes everyone to a different level because of how, how hard he works. Uh, so that I thought was, was a cool uh, comparison. But um, I don't know if he's really on Michael Jordan's uh, level in terms of championships and greatness and in sports, but yeah. how do you even maybe, compare? Right, it's a different yes. sport. I mean, how do you even? But maybe in hockey, you know, yeah, Sidney Crosby's probably going to go down as 
you know, yeah. one of the top two, three players ever to play. And uh, that's where MJ is in his sport. So, Hey, uh, and ready for this? One of the top players that have been playing with the Flyers this season, Travis Konechny. Um, I just bumped my table. Sorry, I shook the camera there. Because um, I get excited about this. I, I love finishing on a, on a positive note. And Jordan, you, uh, you had a wonderful video from Zach Hill, the Flyers PR guru, as you would call him. Yes. Um, of a wonderful Flyers fan that got a signed Travis Konechny jersey and just how much it made that fan's day to, to have that. And it's fun to see just smiles on kids' faces, just how much the sport of hockey and just how much sports in general can make them happy, even like in a time like this, uh, for that to be able to happen. What a great, great visual, too, that you're able to share. Yeah, no, it was really cool, Katie. I, that video was sent to me, like you said, by, uh, by the Flyers Senior Director of Communications and PR, Zach Hill who always is finding that great stuff that definitely, I think, tugs at your heart strings. Uh, but just such, so cool to see a simple thing as a signed jersey by Travis Konechny, what it does for a young kid who's 12 years old and wants to play hockey and uh, looks up to these guys. It just it made that kid's day. It's probably going to make his year. Uh, it's probably something he's going to remember as he grows up and pursues hockey. So, Katie, it, it made us think. We were, we were once kids. You're still a young kid. Uh, <laughs> all right. That's enough from you. That's enough from you. <laughs> but no, in all seriousness, um, we, were, we were once kids that probably loved autograph memorabilia yep. and from, from guys that we looked up to uh, within the sport or within other sports. Katie, one signed jersey that you would have loved as a kid or maybe you got as a kid that kind of shaped your, your love for hockey or a certain sport. Who was it? Okay, well, of course that sport's going to be hockey, Jordan. Um, I, so I'll say first that I was able to get my parents, my dad is, is family friends with the Ranheims, and if Flyers fans out there would know, Paul Ranheim, former Flyer, I'm getting a, a different signed pucks from him, different cards. Remember when cards were a big thing? Yeah. That was huge for me. Um, and those that may know or may not know, I'll, I'll let you know now, um, I'm an only girl in the middle of six boys. So like, as you can imagine, all of this stuff is like very boy centric. Like I, I wanted something, but like, I, I didn't really have it cause it was my brothers that would all get the cards or anything like that. And, um, it was fine though. Right. Like we had the more, the merrier. There were so many different jerseys around the all time Jersey Jordan that like my brothers, uh, two of my brothers had signed and I wanted one too, because I love the Minnesota wild jerseys with the gold on there, the gold stripe down the sleeve. Like thought it was the coolest logo ever, just the bright gold. Um, and I wanted the dark green one. I wanted a signed Marion Gabrick Jersey so bad. My brothers had a signed card, signed puck, everything. And I don't know how I settled on this, but we went to a game and I don't know how, I mean, he's a great player and that's why, but we went to a game and, you know, going to your first ever NHL game, any sports game as a young kid and um, hearing that going back to the Jordan documentary was so great to hear that from his kids, like going out to those games. I mean, you'll never forget the noise, the, the loud um, environment. And for me, I, you know, shared that same thing. Anybody out there, you know, you remember that first game. And for me, it was Marion Gabrick. Um, and, uh, yeah, he just stood out to me. I always wanted a signed jersey, never got it. But my brothers all had something around. So I was very, you know, I was blessed to have different things that I could at least see. But, Jordan, there's nothing like just being like a sibling and you want it for yourself. Yes. I was so upset. I was so upset. But, especially, um, especially with all your brothers. Yeah, um, yeah. And I was just that tomboy. Like, my mom's like, okay, maybe you don't need, like, all this sports stuff. It's like, no, it's – inevitable one of uh one of seven I'm the only girl there's gonna be 
you know, a ton of boy stuff around me and I'm going to want, you know, to, to jump into the sports theme of things as well. So we gotta get that, that is mine. <laughs> we got to get that autograph for you. Oh, uh, we got to get it. I wonder yeah. what you can do. No, but yeah. Thanks. That is really cool though. Just see the influence of your first game and how that always made you want that Jersey, appreciate that player because like those guys, all it takes is one game when you're a young kid to kind of influence uh, your love for the sport. I, 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 I really like that, that story. No doubt. What's yours? For me, so I'm going to go outside of hockey just because I personally, I grew up kind of on baseball. Uh, I grew up in the Philadelphia area. And uh, so I was a huge Phillies fan growing up. And when I was uh, younger and got more into the sport, the Phillies were, they, they hadn't made the playoffs since 1993. And they were getting better, but they were just getting just close enough. And then they would kind of break our hearts and not make the playoffs. Uh, and then Jimmy Rollins came up with the team, uh, Philly's all-time great shortstop. And in 2007, when I was, um, I was a senior, going to my senior year of high school, that season, Jimmy Rollins came out with this kind of cockiness and this swagger. And he had the famous quote, we're the team to beat in the National League East. And I remember that that, like, I got so excited with that quote because as a kid, the Phillies were always getting so close to the playoffs and then just falling short. And here was this guy for no reason at all. He, he didn't have any reason to really be cocky or confident in the Phillies, but he came out and kind of took a stand and said, no, like we're the team to beat. We're, and that year, all Phillies fans know how special 2007 was. It was the year before they won the World Series, but it was their first division crown. Uh, they came back uh, and overcame this incredible deficit against the rival Mets. And it was all because of Jimmy Rollins' cockiness, his swagger, his confidence. It gave me confidence as a kid in high school. You were like, that, yes, I'm Jordan yes. Hall. Like, exactly. It got me excited, you know, about the Phillies. I, it made me think, like, wow, here's this guy who's actually going to do it. He's going to lead this team finally to the playoffs. And it, start, it started a great, memorable uh, era of Phillies baseball for me as a kid that was just a senior in high school and he was going into college and still was, you know, loved the Phillies. Uh, so for me, a Jimmy Rollins signed jersey, I think, would be pretty darn cool because he was like my favorite player. He's a guy I grew up on. on that too. What yeah. a, that is awesome. And Jordan, you just reminded me just, you kind of touched on this, uh, you know, as a young kid and how much you look up to these athletes, right? Like, this is so cool though. I mean, sports for, for kids in general, how much it changes your life. I mean, yeah. to have an idol to look up to. And like you said, like his demeanor, his cockiness, his swagger in a way, like yeah. that inspires you. I mean, you have a hero and this is nothing new. We all knew this about sports, but it's a good reminder of just how important that is. Absolutely. And I think, uh, Katie, we'll have to get that youngster, uh, that got the signed TK Jersey. I would love to get him. I know he lives in Las Vegas. It looks like, uh, I hope he eventually gets to a Flyers game, maybe in Philly or yeah. maybe in the Flyers you know, visit the Golden Knights. He gets out to a game because uh, we'd love to see that kid meet Travis Konechny uh, or at least get to see him play live because clearly he was just absolutely um, thrilled to get that signed jersey. Uh, and I'm sure that's going to influence the way he plays hockey and pursues it. Uh, really cool stuff. Oh, it's awesome. It's bigger than sports, right? You love to see it. And just that simple signature, what it was able to do. Back to baseball, before we go, I'm curious, Jordan, did you keep score at the games? Did you keep score? I did. And I was even um, a guy that enjoyed taking score from home. So, like, I had a score Love book it. and I, I would start taking score even for games from home. 
I would watch every single game. Like I was obsessed with baseball and I didn't care how long the games or the season was. I enjoyed taking score. So yeah, I I was big on that for sure. How about you, Katie? I love it. I I did too. Uh, My dad, I'll never forget, took me to my first Twins game at the Metrodome for my golden birthday. Nice. Um, I believe it was my golden or it was my seventh. Uh, July 6th is my birthday. Uh, Just putting that out there. Um, But yeah, so it was so fun. Again, the Metrodome is a place that some may know. It was just a historic place that, uh, of course, isn't around anymore. But at the time, just sitting in there and bonding with my dad and learning how to do it. And I played softball, too, eventually. So it became more, you know, custom for me. But I'll never forget one story. Okay, here we go. I'm going to go off. But I have one story because this was the first game I went to at the Dome. A fan next to me made a paper airplane out of um, keeping score. Like, it was probably two page, or obviously just one page out of it. Through the paper airplane, we were out, uh, not the nosebleeds exactly, but we are out in center field pretty deep. Through the paper airplane, Jordan, it's gliding, 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 just keeps going down, keeps going down, hits Tori Hunter right in the back. No. Turns around, and he does a little of this, and, you know, a little wave to the fans on video and puts his uh, paper airplane right in his uh, pants, right in the pocket, and uh, keeps on going and proceeds with play. And I was like, what? Like, that is so cool. What if you could write a message? But no, I do not encourage that. That is so dangerous. I was just going to ask me, was there a message more than just, like, the, the actual scorecard? Like, was there maybe a message? It was sure. just, and you're a kid, right? And you're just like, that is a major no-no. Like, I couldn't believe just seeing this guy break the rules. Break the rules. People still do it. But um, a, cer- a memory, certainly, that I won't forget. But anyway, that's enough. I have so many stories I could go on with. Um, this is fun, though. All in all, uh, good talk with you, Jordan, as always. Um, Absolutely. And hopefully uh, next time later this week, we will hopefully have some more news from the NHL and hopefully we'll be even closer to playing hockey again. That would be really cool. And that's so true because it's like today, it's like these gears are slowly moving. But again, I I know nothing, Jordan. I mean, we have no timetable, but I love that point because it is true. It could come, something could come today, something could come tomorrow. So, you know, hopefully by our next episode, we'll have some updates. But in the meantime... That is the latest Flyers Talk podcast. Wherever you get your podcast, please rate and subscribe. And we can't wait to talk to you next time. Bye.